Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Tuesday, May the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Ryan Fitzpatrick well out in front of Josh Rosen in the quarterback competition. We'll explain what that means. Plus, some positive signs from Mike Gesicki, Kenyon Drake's make-or-break year, and the one big thing on finding a quarterback plus my Memorial Day weekend. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The Kenyon Drake piece titled, Who is Kenyon Drake? is up live right now, as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We had an extra day off this weekend, our first missed day on the podcast. I don't know since when, probably since this time last year. But with that, we have a busy show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. And you guys all know that this is something of a dead period across the league, especially over this weekend in particular, and especially for folks that work in football in the NFL. Pretty much all football publications were taking the weekend off, and I mostly did the same. But the good news about that is how refreshed I feel and how ready I am to come back with some new content, with a new perspective or a recharged perspective, I should say. And over the summer, it'll be a lot of guests on the podcast, but also a lot of tape study from last season. And we're going to get into Kenyon Drake's role and who he is entering year four here in Miami, as those three years seem to have flown by for Kenyon Drake. But I want to start here with some bullet point observations I made the last couple of days. And we start with the quarterback battle, as I believe it was late Friday night, possibly Saturday, I forget, that Pro Football Talk wrote a story about how Josh Rosen is far behind Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback competition. And my response is this. He should be way ahead of Josh Rosen because of where he is in his career and his age and the cerebral aspect of his game. We know that Ryan Fitzpatrick trusts his eyes as well as any quarterback I've seen in the NFL. He lets that thing rip with that gunslinger mentality. If he sees what he wants, he's going to go after it and pretty much be damned what the disguise and the coverage might be. He's still going to do it. He understands the why for why things happen. And this is or was, I suppose, a big feather in my Ryan Tannehill will get better argument, which of course blew up in my face, but the argument was that the quarterbacks get much more cerebral, and with the physical dangers of playing quarterback decreasing every single year, these older guys can sharpen their minds without paying the price for the diminishing physical skill sets they possess. 
Now, being smart isn't all it takes to play quarterback at this level. You go back to last week when I discussed that Dan Orlovsky appearance on Move the Sticks, he talked about the reasons he failed as a quarterback or at least as a starter because he did play 12 years in the NFL. So I wouldn't call that failing. But the reason he never became a franchise quarterback is because of the physical limitations that he had. So it's a huge part of the game. If you're going to want cornerbacks running four threes and linebackers running four fives, you sure as hell better have a QB that can beat that type of speed and that type of playmaking of those world-class elite athletes. So Fitzpatrick, he does come up short in that regard, but he's going to be way ahead of Josh Rosen, probably up until summer camp or training camp, whatever you want to call it. So when Fitzpatrick starts the first preseason game, Please don't declare that this coaching staff is a failure because they didn't go out and make sure they see what they have in Josh Rosen over a 20-game audition period. They have to institute a program that shows that the best players are going to play on Sundays, and I'd be stunned, utterly stunned, if they deem Rosen a better player than Fitzpatrick come August 9th and the first game of the preseason. Now, will that be the case week number one of the regular season? Who knows? But I trust these guys to make the right decision in terms of who the best quarterback is and to go forward with that guy. Okay, one last note here before we spin things forward. There was a picture from Dolphins camp last week as they jumped back into OTAs this week before next week's mandatory offseason workout activity. There was a picture of Mike Kosicki catching a football and he was wearing that Rob Gronkowski black sleeve, that big armor piece that made Gronkowski look almost indefensible because of what it did to his his middle section and mid part of his body. But there was a picture of Gasicki wearing that and his off arm, the one that was carrying the football, I saw a guy with a jacked arm in terms of muscle definition and muscle mass. And this to me is encouraging going forward for Mike Kosicki because two of the biggest problems in his games last year or his game last year rather was the lack of contact balance and the lack of functional strength. We saw him work in line as a blocker and the mechanics of it aren't there. The lower body strength isn't there. Just don't put him there. But what he does need to get better in terms of that functional strength is the ability to work through traffic and to work through that contact and maintain his balance through that contact and show the functional strength that way. Because there was multiple times last year where he tried to get into a route and a lot of those timing and rub routes that Adam Gase called would feature guys that have to have the exact right footwork to get themselves in the right position to make the structure of the play work. Well, when Mike Kosicki's getting shoved around by linebackers and getting rerouted at the line of scrimmage and looks like a baby or newborn giraffe out there, the way Brock Osweiler did chasing down that fumble in the Green Bay game, he's going to throw off the entire route concept and ruins the entire play. So he came up short in that area plenty of times last year, but if he can get better in that regard, and we heard that he added 10 to 15 pounds of muscle this offseason, it could go a long way in making him the true number one tight end on the roster, and I think the Dolphins will definitely want to push things towards Mike Kosicki, as this receiver group on the Dolphins, as we'll hear tomorrow from Brad Kelly, might be a bit underwhelming, and with the use of a heavy, heavy ground attack and strong defense, it might be up to a guy like Mike Kosicki to be the go-to option in the passing game. If that stuff all slows down for him, if he has the added functional strength, that could be a massive boon to both this team and the identity that this team wants to create under Coach Flores that runs the football and utilizes play action pretty much as much as anybody else in the league. 
Okay, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about Kenyon Drake's fourth season in the NFL. Is it finally time for him to break through and emerge as a star back? But before we do that, let's talk about Blue Chew and relate it to Mike Kosicki because if Mike Kosicki can increase his performance, you guys can too. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work, unlike Mike Kosicki trying to block in line. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, I'm 31 years old, I don't need Blue Chew, but I still have tried it. And my wife agrees it's one of the best decisions I ever made. This isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're a one and done type of guy, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. It's like Robert Kraft in a South Florida salon without having to fly a private jet to go down to that salon. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB, like Major League Baseball, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed their long weekend, but also took some time to appreciate why we do have this long weekend. And we do thank all of the members of the armed forces, previous and current, and in the future, of course, and the families of those that serve. We wish our greatest gratitudes and thank you for your service at that level. It's an unbelievable sacrifice. And I think I speak for the entire Locked On Network when I say how appreciative I am for all of you that did make that sacrifice so we can live in this great nation of ours. As for the weekend, it was a tremendous one for me. You guys know by now, I think, that I don't drink a whole lot. But when I do, I tend to tie them on. And I got rather tipsy with the wife on Friday night. It was her sister's birthday and the tab was on the parents. So I went ahead and let loose. And then we went to a dive bar to meet with one of her longtime friends who no longer lives in the area. And we just hit it off due in large part to our shared love for Queen. And that was a fun time. So that felt like a big, big moment in the early portion of our marriage. And then I spent most of the rest of the weekend just watching TV and basically being a slob. And with the NBA playoffs coming to its end and the Mariners losing every single game imaginable, it is now 30 out of 40 games they've lost. I turned back to a marathon of a show that is a total guilty pleasure of mine. And it's Bar Rescue on Spike, or now it's called the Paramount Network. But it's funny because this show is so unlike things that I watch. It has the exact same story arc. They get there. There's one guy that's a problem in the bar. They wind up either turning him into the star of the show or he gets fired. The kitchen almost always starts off with two guys. The lead chef is a trashy, sketchy, abrasive white dude. And his sous chef or backup, whatever it's called in a bar, is always an eager, hardworking, likable 
And for some reason, he's always black. So it's the white guy versus the black guy, and that dude always winds up taking the head chef's job. It's literally the same show every time. He comes in, he yells at these previous bar owners and gets them a new bar, and they wind up doing better with their sales. And yet, I still can't get enough of it. It's hilarious. And now John Taffer has a show called Marriage Rescue. So apparently he rescues bars, and now he also rescues marriages. I can't wait to watch that because to me, it's absolutely hilarious. Another show I watched was Malcolm in the Middle, and that was a show I grew up on, man. It taught me that dysfunctional families are commonplace and was so integral to my raising, or my upbringing, I should say, back in my formative years. I also watched a movie on Sunday night called Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell, and if you have anybody in your family or know anybody that suffered from addiction, highly recommend it. And even if you don't, I highly recommend it because that movie was tremendous. And then, of course, tonight, as I record this podcast, Chernobyl wraps up the four-part miniseries on HBO. Can't wait to watch that. But that's not what you guys are here for. Let's spin things forward and get to this piece on LockedOnDolphins.com called Who is Kenyon Drake? Written by yours truly. And really, a lot of my content tends to get sparked from some debates I see on Twitter. And this one's no different because the validity of Kenyon Drake's career or whether or not he should have seen the football more last year has been thrown about and I'm firmly in the camp that he was criminally underused last year even though Frank Gore played very well I'm never going to take that away from Frank Gore but he blocked Kenyon Drake who had a much bigger portion or bigger part of the Dolphins future another one of those disconnects from Adam Gaze Stephen Ross and Mike Tannenbaum and that entire triumvirate that was a disaster for the most part so Kenyon Drake is back Frank Gore is gone and this kind of goes back to the problem this Dolphins team has had for a while, that they just don't develop their homegrown talent. Hell, we saw the Dolphins spend seven years trying to figure out if Ryan Tannehill was the answer at quarterback, so it's hardly a surprise that so few draft picks have made it to their second contract, and that's where Kenyon Drake is heading next March when his contract expires. We all know he was second fiddle to Jay Ajayi, and rightfully so. Ajayi ran for 1,200 yards in 2016, but even that year, even in 2016, two of those Dolphins' wins were pretty much put to bed by plays that Kenyon Drake made. At least the kickoff return against the Jets was almost all Kenyon Drake's winning the game at the end of that game. And then the big touchdown run against the Bills, which happened early on, so I won't say it was a game winner, but it was a huge play in that game. But you go back to 2016, and I have in this article a video thread of a couple plays from Kenyon Drake's game, his first start of his career against the Cleveland Browns when he had three consecutive carries that totaled 22 yards. It was really, really impressive the way he ran the ball on on three different schemes. One was outside zone. One was a gap man scheme where they pulled backside uh, guards and tackles to block the front side for Kenyon Drake. And the third was split zone, which is basically just a function of outside zone where you pull a tight end back across the formation to hit a kickout block. And it kind of fools the defense into thinking you're running something different than outside zone. But three different plays, he looked sharp, he looked committed, he looked aggressive and decisive, and that was the same runner that we saw at the end of 2017, and that's what this article gets into, is the disconnect between Adam Gaze and Kenyon Drake in 2018, after what he showed you at the end of 2017, because he didn't get the full-time job right after the Jay Ajayi trade. His first two games, he went for 104 yards total and 92 yards total on limited touches. I think it was 15 and 13 touches in those two games but then a couple games later Damian Williams has that season ending shoulder injury and now all of a sudden Kenyon Drake has nobody breathing over his neck 
trying to take that job from him. And all of a sudden he becomes this fantastic looking running back, decisive, but also patient at the same time, a fantastic combination with speed and power and the way he finished runs. He played 293 snaps through his first 27 career games as an NFL football player. And then in those five games, he played 291 snaps, almost the exact same number of snaps in a five-game stretch compared to what he played the previous 27 games. And he went off for 594 total yards and two touchdowns. He carried the ball 91 times. That's 18.2 times per game, which is a big change from the 75 carries he had in his first 27 games, just 2.8 carries per game. And you look at the player that he is and how he kind of got into a rhythm in those games in 2017 down the stretch because he didn't have to worry about pressing and trying to make things happen and trying to bounce things outside. And that was kind of the hypothesis when I started writing this piece was that in 2018, he didn't have the patience because he knew he had to fend off Frank Gore. So he looked to bounce to make the big plays. And in 2017, 17, he was more patient and let the game come to him and would find holes by wearing the defense down both with speed and physicality. But the truth is, in 2018, they just didn't block for him all that well. He was constantly contacted in the backfield, had to change directions before he even received the football and the handoff. And a lot of the yardage that Frank Gore chewed up, and again, taking nothing away from him, came from these instances where the Dolphins would run some trickery or do some misdirection or by scheme find a way to create yardage for Frank Gore. Now, he did have some some runs where it was him making yards after contact, but a lot of those runs came on plays where the Dolphins just outsmarted the other team's coaching staff, and then they'd go back to Kenyon Drake and ask him to stretch the defense out horizontally, wear them down, and try to find seams that way, and it just didn't happen for him that way. And still... Kenyon Drake puts up 4.5 yards per carry. His career is 4.7 yards per carry. He scored nine touchdowns, had 1,012 total yards, and his carries went down from 133 in 2017, all of that basically in five games, down to 120 last year. And you go back to this column up on LockedOnDolphins.com and you watch these Twitter videos I posted. He is just so impressive in all phases of the game, in pass protection, catching the football, running routes from the backfield, from the slot, from split out wide, the aggressive physical inside style, the speed to the outside, and the ability to press the holes and condense the defense and then bounce it from there. That video of the Cleveland Browns game I showed you from 2016, there are plays where he shows you the ability to put his foot in the ground and bend it back across the formation that is so impressive and shows you such good play side and backside vision. Man, I watch this player and I see a superstar in the making. And I think a lot of Dolphins fans felt that way last year. And we saw glimpses of that. But because of Frank Gore's emergence and the lack of giving him the football to get him into the rhythm, we just never really saw it. That, in addition to the Dolphins not sustaining enough drives, a lot of things went against Kenyon Drake, and I think it's kind of crappy that so many fans are kind of bailing out on him after the way things went down last year and saying that, okay, maybe he's not this great or this this very talented back because you watch him on tape, that's exactly what he is. He is supremely talented, and I can't wait to watch him this year. I think the style of play the Dolphins are going to have, that physical ground game with hopefully a better defense, play-action style passing game, to me, Kenyon Drake is the obvious pick for breakout player on this offense, on this team, and I think he's going to elevate his game to a new level this year, and I really hope they find a way to get a fair contract done with him because I don't want to lose this guy who I think is one of the better homegrown talents in the mid-rounds of the draft the Dolphins have had in recent years. Okay, today's show is brought to you guys by Untuck It. 
Men come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, relaxed. You ever wonder why your dad's button-up looks so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off that casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy, and that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. I wore a shirt this weekend from Untuck It and got multiple compliments on it. It looks fantastic, casual, yet like you're here to do some business as well. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring. Go to untuckit.com. The promo code is NBA, as in National Basketball Association. Untuckit.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off your first order. Tiered rankings are all the rage right now. A new app called Tier Maker allows fans to choose their subject, define said tiers however they choose, and then place products into those specific categories. And if you're like me, a football fan, and by virtue of you hearing this message, you are, you've seen these quarterback Tier Maker tweets clogging up your timeline for the last several days. They're fun. I get it. It gives us a chance to make our opinion heard, and it sparks conversation. What's wrong with that? You've even heard my quarterback ranking list on Friday's show, and that was before I even saw those tier-making app posts. But in seeing the tier maker, I noticed something that I'm sure all of you did as well. Everybody included Josh Rosen in the rankings, some included Ryan Tannehill, and the common theme among both quarterbacks associated with the Dolphins, nobody, nobody, at least nobody that I saw, had either quarterback above the dreaded average moniker. In fact, most had both well below that moniker. And that's where Miami has been for the better part of two decades. Hell, even Marino's final couple of seasons, it wasn't the elite level of play we all grew accustomed to. So let's call it 20 years. It's been 20 years since Miami has gotten elite play from the game's most important position, the most important position in all of professional sports. And you can tell me that Chad Pennington was elite all you want in 2008, but you're wrong. He wasn't. He was very good, but he was not elite. And Ed Reed and the Baltimore Ravens demonstrated that much in the playoffs that season. He was the perfect complement to a good defense and a flat-out dangerous ground attack that took Miami all the way to a Tom Brady-less AFC East crown. Tannehill was above average in 2014 and 2016, but 2012, 2013, and 2015 weren't good, and 2018 was flat-out dreadful. And now, the Dolphins head into 2019 without any real discernible answer at the position. Anyone that tells you that Josh Rosen is definitively the guy is simply playing the role of hype man. I've seen it. I've done it. I get it. Because if you watch the tape, it's far from definitively showcasing a franchise quarterback. He might become that, but projecting so right now is a true act in homerism. So I look at the guys that are on the top of that list. You have your mainstays that have been there forever, but a lot of the more recent teams that have their answer or their assumed answer at the coveted franchise quarterback position did so by relentlessly pursuing the options on the open market. 
We've gone over this on the podcast several times from Seattle in 2012 with Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson to the Eagles in 2016 with Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, and Carson Wentz. The Bears sort of did it with Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky. The Chiefs definitely did it when they drafted Showtime Mahomes, despite boasting a Pro Bowl quarterback in Alex Smith previously. So that's where we arrive at the point of this segment of this one big thing. Miami is in prime position to remake the quarterback room pretty much as dramatically or as little as they choose next season with all the offseason resources. The point is that they better not rest on their laurels at the conclusion of this season. If they identify a guy in the draft that they think is the man, and we'll put aside the tank for Tua discussion, if they don't get the first pick, they're not getting Tua. It's as simple as that. But if they find someone else that is the guy... Unless Josh Rosen is unequivocally the bona fide answer, they must pull the trigger. Every team's Twitter timeline will feature fans arguing about the validity of their own quarterback. Teams with elite QBs see their fans sitting perched atop the luxury villas. They don't have to argue. Everybody already knows. And teams at the bottom of the scrap heap are a downtrodden bunch that have accepted their fate in quarterback dysfunction. Then there's that middle tier. A tier of quarterbacks who, quite frankly, are not it, but the fan base makes every possible point to prove that said guy is, in fact, it. Because the only thing worse than having no quarterback is having a quarterback that holds you hostage, the way Marcus Mariota is holding the Titans fans hostage, the way the Giants fans have to do with Eli Manning, the way we, and mostly I, did with Ryan Tannehill last year. Be aggressive, don't settle for maybe, because when it comes to quarterbacks, You'll know it when you see it. Okay, guys, before I get out of here, I got to tell you about Grip 6 belts, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that has ever been made. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, even moms and wives. You can see their women's collection on Grip6.com. They have ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist. I wear this all the time. It is super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt that has those features, the no holes, the no flap, and the no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for our listeners right now at grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E, grip6.com slash lock for your special code to get the world's greatest belt. Okay, guys, that's going to be my time for today, but I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with Brad Kelly for a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.